Only Three Lads is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast family, home to some of the best music podcasts on the planet. Visit PantheonPodcast.com to discover more. And if you like what we do on O3L, we kindly ask you to please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. It really helps us more than you know. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the season two premiere of the Only Three Lads podcast. On O3L, we discuss the golden age of alternative music that we've identified as the last quarter of the 20th century from 1974 to 1999, and we have a heck of a lot of fun doing it. Only Three Lads is a music commentary and review podcast, and any music clips contained herein are solely provided for examination and education. If you like what you hear, please go to your local record store or buy or stream online. Either way, support the artists and support the arts. If you're a first-time listener, thank you for joining us. Here's the show. Hello and welcome to Video One. I'm Richard Blade. We're inside the JFK Stadium in Philadelphia. Coming up today, all the acts that you've been seeing at Live Aid. Welcome to the Only Three Lads podcast. Thank you for joining us. Of course, we take you back to some of the best days of your life as we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. I'm Uncle Greg. Of course, we have the PhD of music, Brett Vargo. Hey. And the ambassador of love, Bueno. Hey, how's it going, guys? Bueno. What's up? Back for season two. Yes. Our second year. We couldn't get enough of each other. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we have to keep coming back for more, more abuse. So, of course, with this being our second year, though, we have a very special guest. We have Dick Shepard today Ooh, on the cool. Only Three Lads podcast. Of course, everyone. Yes. Better known as Richard Blade, Mr. Blade, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. You can always introduce me as Dick Shepard. I'm I'm proud of that little guy who used to DJ in Europe. <laughs> well, that's that's what happened. You were in Europe, then you came over here because uh, you were Dick Shepard at the radio station. You were over there. Somebody else had the name Richard. And then you get over here, and uh, you came up with, I think you were supposed to be Richard Runner at first is the story I heard. And then that's what correct. happened? Yes. Well, uh, the newspaper folded over on itself. I was actually on the air at K-Rock uh, my very first day and just getting ready to go onto the microphone. And I'd left KNAC, a very small station, uh, limited by a signal that uh, the FCC only allowed it to go, you know, about five or six miles up and down the coast. And I left on good terms. And naively, I thought, I don't want to steal any listeners away as uh, Dick Shepard. So I wanted to go back to Richard. And I thought, I'll think of a new last name. And everyone else on the station had, you know, crazy names like Jed the Fish and Freddie Snakeskin, Dusty Street, Sam Freeze and stuff like that. So I was thinking, I got to have a cool name. And uh, I was flipping through the newspaper and it said opening in two weeks, Blade Runner. 
And I went, oh, that sounds cool, Richard Runner. I can do the, I can rip off the Rolls Royce logo, ah, ah, and everything like that. And then uh, I put the paper down on the ground, as as K Rock, you just threw things on the ground anyway. And uh, (laughs) I opened the microphone and I just froze. It was like, oh my gosh, you know, everyone in the world is listening right now. And I went, I'm Richard. And I couldn't remember Runner. And I looked down and the paper had folded. And the runner part was folded under, and it, I could just see Blade. So I went, I'm Richard Blade. And then <laughs> there it is. It. Wow. <laughs> the story, how you got your name. That so is fantastic. Awesome. That is and awesome. most importantly, Dick Shepard was also on Card Sharks. That's right. I was. It won a couple of thousand dollars. I was thrilled with that. And uh, Goodson Topman, the uh, producers behind Card Sharks, brought me in uh, a number of times, actually, afterwards to do pilots for them after I was Richard Blade. And I did uh, a pilot for them for um, a show called Girls Talk, which they use the, um, you know, the Dave Edmonds song as their theme. And it was back right. when everyone was sliming everyone on Nickelodeon, you know, so you went on. <laughs> they gave I don't know. Suit. Yeah, but it was a kid's show, you know. And then uh, I was also um, on when they brought back The Love Connection. They had me do uh, uh, a a non-airing pilot of The Love Connection uh, with Chuck Barris. And it was that was fun because the girl who picked me was fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know that the king of all media, that title is already taken. So I think you should be the El Jefe of all media, Mr. Blade, because you have film, you have TV, you have radio, you have satellite, you're an author, you do it all now. And you've done it all for a very long time. Well, thank you so much. I just like, I like keeping busy, you know, it keeps me, uh, keeps my, my brain going. I'm just writing and finishing uh, I've written it. I'm just going through the editing process of my fifth book right now. My fourth is ready to go. Uh, It was going to be released right before Christmas, but it's based on a true story. So we're just getting the legal points uh, of that because of the people involved, make sure everyone's covered. And if not, what names do we need to change? Um, But in the interim, I've just finished my fifth one, which is a huge action uh, piece called Ghosts of the Congo that'll be out this summer. Well, because you've also written episodes of TV shows, a sci-fi show, uh, also a Lifetime movie. You write nonfiction, of course, with your book, World in My Eyes, which was a great book. It's like but uh, a lot of pictures, uh, over 500 pages. If you are a big fan of any classic alternative music, you got to get that book. Absolutely. I hadn't read a book in 20 years, and I I couldn't put that thing down. It was, it was a real a cathartic thing for me to write. When I got approached by the publisher initially, he said, you know, can you write a couple of chapters? So I, I wrote, uh, I think, the Spandau chapter and a Depeche Mode chapter and sent him that. And he, they said, okay, well, we'll publish this. And so I started writing individual chapters. Then I stopped and I thought, nope, I'm going to start at the beginning and I'm just going to go through. And I remember I got to about page 300 and I said to my wife, I said, I'm going to have to stop this. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to end up being war and peace. You know, it was just... You know, I stopped it in, in the year 2000. It was still over 500 pages. But um, I thought I had to tell the early part of the story because in all the biographies and memoirs that I've read, whether it's Billy Idol, whether it's uh, Stuart Copeland, whether it's Thomas Dalby, whoever it is, I find the most interesting parts are before they're well-known uh, or in their cases, you know, super famous because at that point, you know what happened with the police. So you know what happened with Billy Idol because, you know, we all grew up listening to their music. And with my story, I thought, no, I, I think I have to tell the early years. 
And uh, everyone so responded to that. They seemed to love the uh, European days and traveling up and down the continent and DJing in the clubs and then coming over to America and being turned down everywhere. People <laughs> kind of relate to that. I think we've all you know, faced our own tribulations. Well, that's what I was talking about. I started an alternative radio in Phoenix in 1993. Everybody knew who Richard Blade was. You are the template of all alternative radio stations of having any Englishman on the air, usually during the middays. And that's exactly what we had here in Phoenix also, all because of you. Yeah, you should get residuals. No, I should. You know, I find that <laughs> yeah. very flattering. And it's, it's funny because when the flashback lunch was first come up with kind of thing, um, it was forced on me. Uh, and I said, okay, you know, but I'll, I'll make the best of it. And they really put it together to get rid of the 80s music on K-Rock. They were kind of done with it at the time. They thought, oh, we'll just stick it in one hour and it'll go away. And of course it became super popular. And because of the ratings, it just literally exploded in the 90 day period where Arbitron was uh, coming out with the book. And when it came out, literally suddenly all these stations that followed K-Rock because it was a, such an influential radio station, started putting on their own flashback lunch. And I remember the program director at the time, Andy Schoen, going, why the hell didn't we copyright that? You know, it, was, <laughs> it was because they put it on as a joke, because they hated the 80s. You know, and I was the only one who said, no, I think this could work. I, I love the music, you know. But at the time, they were all wearing their plaid shirts and swearing that Soundgarden was the next, you know, greatest thing since the Beatles. So, uh yeah. They ignored Depeche Mode and uh, Duran Duran. Huge mistake. Huge mistake. Huge mistake. Yeah. yeah. Well, I got to tell you what a thrill this is, Richard, because I, I grew up with you. Now, I'm 46 now, so I'm kind of the young buck on the show. But as a kid and an early teenager growing up in the L.A. market, I mean, you were everything. I mean, you were so influential hearing you on K-Rock and then watching you on TV. So my brothers and I, we had our after school routine. First, we turn on video one. I, I think it was on channel nine, I believe. Yes, you are correct. All right. Then we'd go over to PBS and we'd watch Degrassi Junior High on channel 28. <laughs> and then we'd go to channel 56 and watch Wally George for some reason. Because mm -hmm. it was just so ridiculous and outrageous. And I think probably the, uh, uh, the monkeys reruns factored in somewhere in there. But you are a huge part of my youth. So I am so happy you are here today. I was privileged to be a part of it and, uh, you know, to be able to do those video shows in Southern California and in quite a few other markets uh, around the States was just a wonderful thing. I loved it. And uh, I had uh, a really good friend who's uh, still great friends with him, um, who did the music with me, a guy called Peter Facer. And we would go through all the videos and we put them together and we had such a free hand. And like on Thursdays on video one, we did dance day where we would play uh, all the black music and R and B tracks that MTV wouldn't play. And, uh, we just, just love putting the show together. It was a, just such a wonderful moment in time. All right. Well, hey, this week we're taking a look at Richard Blade's flashback favorite series. That was a CD series. Came out in 1993. I think it was October 8th, 1993 to be exact when that first wow. volume came out. You um, did your homework, Greg. Right? Yeah. I, I better believe I did. Now, it really was better than all the 80 other you know compilations out there because Richard's taste in music and his his expertise and his credibility. But I think that one of the best things, Richard, about your series was the liner notes because that they were excellent and really just took it over the top. 
Oh, well, thank you so much. I, I put a lot of work into the liner notes and I would drive um, my buddy Carl from Olio Records crazy because he'd go, dude, the deadline was yesterday. Okay, <laughs> I promise it'll be, finished, it'll be finished tomorrow. Oh, you, it better be. I'm holding it. You know, and it was uh, it was always fun. But uh, I, I loved doing them and it would always flatter me so much when I walk into a club to DJ and see them up on the wall and then have the DJ look at me and go, could you sign these for me? I'm like, dude, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to. I'm thrilled. So what was the selection process for those discs? What would happen is Carl, uh, Carl Capriolio, and he shortened his name to Olio for the record comp- record label that he oh. started, Olio Records. Uh, he would come to me and say, all right, we're going to do another. At first, it was just going to be one. We're just going to do flashback favorites. That was it. Uh, but it sold so well that he said, okay, we've got a commitment from Capital and Sony to do a series. So uh, come to me with 40 songs that you like, and then I will take them to legal, as he would say, uh, to their legal department, and they will get clearance and see which ones we can clear, which ones we can't clear. Depeche Mode, we can never clear, for example. Uh, so I would give him a whole list of songs, and they would come back and say, all right, we've got 17 of them cleared. We've got room on the CD for 12 pick 12 of these 17 oh oh yeah that's why they're not available right now because uh it was a 10 year license they weren't oh. you know, they weren't bootlegged or official licensed cds and uh so it was uh, 1993 to 2003 and at that point they uh, were taken off the market and so you know they became collector's items wow you can find them on yeah. ebay amazon now though so yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they really did set the bar for what a new wave compilation should be. For those of you out there who may be listening that aren't familiar, go check them out. And we'll we'll post the track list too on our Facebook page. But six volumes, 12 tracks each. There's a lot of deep cuts on there. There's a lot of one thing I I found was really cool, a lot of hard to find single mixes, which were not readily available in the CD era. 72 tracks, 71 of which were great. And the other one was Oh Yeah by Yellow. <laughs> no, it was Come On Eileen by yeah. Dexy's Midnight yeah. Runner. That, that's on no. volume four. Stay away. The, yeah. the one I don't like is the After the Fire version of De Classic. Oh, because I was friends yeah. with Falco. But, but the one thing that we did do is we always, I always went for the extended mix. If I could get a 12-inch mix in there, then I would put that on the record because I thought that was so important because, like you said, the single was available. The single could be heard on the radio. But to have the 12-inch mix, the one that you dance to in the clubs, the one that you met that hot chick on that Friday night to, that's the one that you uh, want the memories brought back. So I would always try and get the uh, the longer version. So now we know your song. So, like, I have Mexican radio. That's the song that I would sooner eat my hand than listen to it again. (laughs) And Oh Yeah by Yellow kind of, you know, fits into that, too. Oh, yeah. Greg has Come On Eileen. Bueno, I don't really know what your song is. So is is your song, Richard? After the Fire's version of Der Commissar. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just roll over to, to that one when I hear it because I, I just remember Falco. I mean, he was getting all the money from it because he wrote it, but he didn't want the money. He wanted to break in uh, America. And suddenly after the fire, we're getting uh, so much more play than he was. And he was so upset. So when uh, Vienna Calling came out and uh, Rock Me Amadeus, he was thrilled. But he used to come to all my club gigs and he was a, he was a great looking journalist. Uh, German, uh, well, Austrian guy, German speaking, and the girls just loved him. And uh, he was, he couldn't have been more thrilled 
when uh, he followed up the commissar with a hit, you know, because he was so worried that that was his one shot and it was taken away by, uh, ironically, someone who would shovel money at him because he was getting the publishing, but he wasn't getting the uh, credit. And I remember uh, the videos. Like, it looked like he made it at the mall. Remember yeah, the, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no budget. Yeah, particularly the first one for the commissar, yes. just run, running against a green screen, you know. It was pretty cool, though. But that's what was so cool about, you know, the early 80s when everything was taking off. It was kind of DIY, but I don't know. It was just there was something special about it. And maybe I'm nostalgic, but I think that we could use more of that now. I guess you're right. It was like the wild frontier, the wild west. It it, it was a blank canvas and anything could happen. And that was thrilling of the wild frontier. You know, I was talking with uh, to name drop here, just talking with Kathy Valentine three days ago for a podcast for Sirius. And we were talking about videos. And I said how, you know, the the Go-Go's videos are just a moment in time to take you back. You know, they're rolling in the fountain in Beverly Hills and stuff like that. And she said, oh, it's because we didn't have the budget. She said, we'd love to have run through the jungles like Duran Duran did. But we just didn't have the budget. And she said, you know, when we shot these videos, we were like cringing that, oh, my gosh, it looks so cheap compared with the stuff coming out of the UK. And she said, but now. She said, it takes us back to that exact time. And we see the fashions that we were wearing. Then we weren't dressed by wardrobe consultants. And we were actually driving in regular cars through yeah. Beverly Hills and through Los Angeles. And she said, now we're really proud of those videos. It was real. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Well, Richard, you probably know this story for the cover of Beauty and the Beat. They returned those towels. Yeah, they didn't have the money. <laughs> they didn't have the money. And so their manager was saying, you know, they were tucking in the tags and they didn't want to mess them up. And they returned the towels that are on that album cover. That wow. is kind of cool. Me yeah. and the Go-Go's were the same. <laughs> I do that with yeah. my clothes. There we go. <laughs> you wear them once. All right, you guys want to get into our list? Would love to. All right. I guess I'll kick it off again this week. You guys want to do it that way? Sure. sure. Let's do it. All right. Well, I, I first want to say that um, there's a lot of great songs on Richard Blades' flashback favorite series. And what I did was because ABC Look of Love, Everywhere I'm Not by Translator, Never Say Never, Romeo Void. I picked those songs for my best songs of 1982. So I removed those out of there and it made my, making my list easier. But my number five kicking off my list is uh, basically a New York synth pop band. The song has a distinction of being the first commercial single ever recorded entirely on a computer. It's Eben Ozen with their 1983 hit, A-E-I-O-U, Sometimes Why. It's on volume three. Now, I couldn't find this song anywhere for a while. Brett, you were just talking about it when it was going into the CD era. But now it's on YouTube. It's on all platforms. Now you can find versions of it. A-E-I-O-U, Sometimes Why, is a vowel lesson that's also a flashback to early MTV when MTV meant something. I was walking on Broadway, you know, and there's this incredible looking Swedish girl having a cappuccino across the street from Lincoln Center. I started talking to her, you know, and she said her name was Lola. Her English wasn't too good, you know, but we wound up spending about five So that's why it's kicking off my list this week right now. Eben Ozen, number five, with A-E-I-O-U, Sometimes Why. Good track. I love that one. It's a great one. Cool. It was so different on MTV, too. When it first came on, that video was not like anything else. And then what they were saying and kind of like that rap and that talk and the way I, I just love it. I still love it to this day. They couldn't get it on Schoolhouse Rocks. So, well, how, yeah, but they're talking about having premarital sex. Can't <gasps> 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 oh, do that. You can't do that. Richard, do you have a list of your favorites for us? Yeah, I do. I, I, made, I made a list for you. Awesome. And it was, it was hard to do. Do you want me to go next? Yes. yes. 
right. Well, I'm going to go to volume two. And the song that I've chosen uh, from volume two is one that hopefully after the pandemic, when I'm back to playing live again, because I, I DJ live a lot, whether it's private parties or corporate events or DJing in clubs or opening for bands. I love to DJ live and I play this song and everyone gets into it and there's hands in the air for the chorus where it says take higher 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 and everyone is just partying and this always to me is a moment in the evening when you've got the entire crowd going and it's not the normal UK type dance music that you'd think I'm going to pick it's Grandmaster Flash and yes. Melly Mel yes. the Furious Five and White Lines yes yeah. there you go vision dreams of passion and all the while I think of you that's that's my number five song and uh, I tell you after I get my jab and I'm back to DJing live that one's going to be played all the time again awesome. what about duran duran's version from 95 you like that one you know it's it's really good and simon told me that that is his favorite duran duran video it's shot in oh. black and white and mm -hmm. he's leaning towards the camera and going crazy but they play that uh, at virtually all of their concerts and the again the audience love it it's one of those crossover songs it should be a black new york street audience that go into it but no you know i mean the the, the whitest kid on the block will love it as well. It's got that crossover beat. It's everything about that song just works and it's a party in seven minutes. Yeah, I saw him on the Paper Gods tour. This was a couple of years ago with Sheik. Yeah. And I oh, believe yeah. that they did play. That was, a, I went all by myself because I didn't want to, you know, you have to take people. They have like, they want to go to the bathroom and stuff. So I go all by myself and uh, that was such a great show. And they played that That song. was a gr great tour. That was a great tour. It was. It's a great record. Yeah. So that's why you don't take people to concerts, Greg, because they have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> well, no, because you're like, oh, so what, what songs do they sing? When, where are we going to sit? When are we going to mm. get there? Who, are we going to park and back? It's just always. And if I want to go see a show, I want to have my experience. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And that's nope. my charm. And that's my curse. There you so, go. um, I just so I just sometimes I go to shows by myself like KMFDM. I went by myself because people are like, well, what songs do they sing? So it's like, <laughs> well, I'm going to go by myself because I'm going to enjoy the show. And that's like, you know, being backstage, everyone's trying to be, oh, look at me. Look at me. I'm here for me. I want to go for the show and I want to experience the show. And that's why, you know, there's a lot of these older artists that are they're not going to be touring uh, coming in the next few years because they're going to die or they're going to retire, especially after COVID. So oh, I'm thinking oh. of going out and seeing these shows because I want to have that experience and say, I saw that, that band, I saw that band, I saw that artist. And that's what I did with Duran Duran. So Buena, what's your number four? Five. How about my number five? We're still on oh, number five. five. All right, number five. Uh, see, Pete I screw Shelley. it up all the time, Richard. <laughs> yeah, there uh, you Pete go. Shelley, telephone operator. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Good Volume one. five. That was released in 94, worldwide release uh, May of 83 was the XL1, That's, that was his second solo album. Oh my God, Pete Shelley reached number 42. I mean, 
I think this was his biggest release for uh, as a single artist, and he was definitely a legend in our genre. You know, I wish we still had him here with us. And you know, what can I say? I mean, the Buzzcocks, just an incredible band, and I kind of grew up with all these bands. And I wonder why. I think it was Professor Blade that got me into all these bands back in the day. That's oh, my number five. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Love that Great track. track. And when uh, Pete Shelley went solo, it was very unsuspecting that he would, uh, you know, totally go electronic. But a lot of people don't realize that his earliest pre-Buzz Cox work was Sky Yen, which was just bonkers kind of kraut rock electronic music. So go figure. Well, first of all, leading into my number five, I just want to tell you guys that I'm very pleased to announce for season two, I have a new soundboard. So <laughs> the benefits here, and I promise not to go crazy with it, but I can apply sound effects when Greg makes fun of Yoko or Dexies, such as, mm -hmm. oh no. <laughs> all right. So there you go. If uh, Bueno needs to put his gorilla back in the cage, then uh, <laughs> give him a slap. Oh, yeah. Or I can change my voice at opportune times for maximum creepiness, such as... Oh, no. All right. And that's as much as I will play with the soundboard right now. Thank God. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. All right. So my number five is a great track by British ska and B band, to quote their first album, Samson and Delilah by Bad Manners. The track is on volume five of Flashback Favorites, and the version contained on that disc is the so-called five-minute, 16-second biblical version that was released on 12-inch single and their 1982 album, Forging Ahead. Now, my preference for the song is actually probably in its more concise and fuller sounding to my ears, seven-inch mix, but the version on Flashback Favorites allows the song to breathe and ramps up the dub elements considerably. Of course, it retains a marvelously catchy chorus like Romeo and Juliet, Samson and Delilah. I, I'm on fire. And the brilliantly memorable line by the controversial skinhead singer Buster Blood Vessel, you can't cut my hair because I haven't any there. <laughs> the song was far from Bad Manners' biggest hit. In fact, it was the lowest charting of their UK singles until 1985 at a meager number 58 placing. But it remains for me one of the most enduring and best songs of the two-tone era. And by the way, a little bit of trivia, Buster Blood Vessel, of course, is a perfect post-punk stage name. Lads, do you know where it came from? Richard Nepotist. I'm waiting for you to tell me. Okay. Yep. Oh, I, I could say it, but I want you to say it. All right. As a beetle nut, Buster Blood Vessel was the name of the bus conductor on Magical Mystery Tour. And as a beetle's nut, let me just ask you, did you enjoy the movie yesterday? <sighs> well, I did enjoy the movie, but the problem I had with the movie yesterday was if the power goes out, and people are going to forget anybody. Why couldn't it have been Ed Sheeran? <laughs> Short movie then. <laughs> Uncle cool. Greg? Yes. My number four this week comes off volume two. It's from a band from New Orleans, but I bet they never played a gig in the Ninth Ward. They may have, but this is the whitest song to me ever. The first time I heard the 1983 hit China from Red Rockers, I kind of heard a U2 influence with that guitar bridge. But to this day, I still love this song. Now, I actually got to meet the lead singer 
John Thomas Griffin, but this is when a couple I interviewed Cowboy Mouth, and he's been in Cowboy Mouth since 1990. I told him exactly that, because uh, if you could think of white people dancing in the 80s, they were dancing to this song. But I love this song. China is just one of those ones where it makes you happy. It makes you so glad that you grew up in the 80s. So off volume two of Richard Blades, flashback favorites, Red Rockers, China, number four this week for me. Awesome piece. Choice. All right, Richard, what's your number four? Cool. Well, I like that one, but I'm going to go with volume six as my number four and the opening track. And we're going to go to uh, Minneapolis for this particular band who are actually still around. They did break up in the 1980s, but then get back together. And this particular track takes me back to my earliest days at K-Rock. I was literally only part time and I would hear Freddie and Jed playing this track. And I thought this is the radio station I want to be at. It's got such a, a twist to the lyrics, but the music makes me want to get out there and dance. And the opening lyrics, Come on over to our valley where boys run free. Run through the lush green meadows in your shorts. Gets me every time because it's so tongue-in-cheek. And the band are the suburbs. And the song is called Music for Boys. I just love this one. That's a good, awesome song. Reminds me of the Valley. <laughs> One of the finest bands to come up through the Twin Cities, and there is a lot. All right, Bueno, what's your number four? Uh, Joe Boxers just got mm-hmm. lucky from Volume Five. Uh, second single from the British band. These I was watching the video today, and you know these five guys are just having a blast. They love what they do. The music, of course, and. This song actually reached the top 10 in the UK and the top 40, but sold over 250,000 copies. And heck, Richard, I remember you playing this one back in the day on The Rock. It sounded like uh, they were going to reform, actually, or they did reform in November of this year. And they are announcing the show after 35 years of not playing somewhere in in London, I'm, I'm hearing. So, uh, yeah, I wow. can't wait till that. That's going to be great. So, no, I mean, absolutely. And we loved interviewing them on the TV show, and they certainly had the energy in person as well as in the video. Oh, yeah. They're, they're amazing. I, I got a kick out of watching that thing today. So uh, I, I'm really happy that they reformed, and, uh, you know, hopefully they're going to put out some new music. So that's my number four. Top five songs from Richard Blades' flashback favorites, Joe Boxer's Just Got Lucky. Nice. Just got lucky hit at the right time too. It was, you know, a resurgence of like the quasi Motown type beats and stuff and great track. I love it. Cool. All right. Well, my number four is a song from volume two of flashback favorites. So good that it continued to provide single worthy material for its band for five years. And it is B movies. Nowhere girl. First of all, I'm a huge sequencing nerd. So can we just for a moment, Marvel at how perfectly volume two opens. So it kicks off stylishly with ABC's Look of Love, explodes with, as Greg mentioned, Red Rockers China, and then glides into the haunting Nowhere Girl. So I've got to say, Nowhere Girl is a fascinating case study in the progression of new wave music in the first half of the 80s. 
My favorite version is still going to be the 1980 original single, which is darker, rawer, and more primitive. And then the 1982 extended version that's contained on Flashback Favorites is also great. And it's definitely more well-known, but it has a bit more polish and it's obviously aimed for the dance floor and the airwaves. It dials back the slashing guitars, doubles the eerie synth line with piano, and reigns in the more fervent vocal approach of the 1980 version. One would actually be forgiven for assuming the B-movie was capitalizing on a sound not entirely dissimilar to A Flock of Seagulls, and few probably realized at the time that B-movie was actually the first to strike. By the time 1985 rolled around and B-Movie finally got around to recording their one and only full length, at least of the 80s, before they would return, which was called Forever Running, it was clear that the musical climate had changed. Fairlight triggered drum hits, gated snares, brighter vocals, it's all there. It's a great song any way you slice it, but that version pales in comparison to the two far superior versions that preceded it. And by the way, if you want to explore more, as I said, they came back uh, within the last decade, they have two very good uh, reunion albums and then there's also an album of their earliest tracks called remembrance days which is phenomenal so it's a great track to get lost in and that's my number four flashback favorite this week nowhere girl by b movie great song great all right it's the only three lads podcast where we're taking a look at the golden age of alternative music with a very special guest this week. We have Richard Blade from Sirius XM, yeah. First Wave Channel yeah. 33. So uh, kicking off our second year of this podcast. So Richard, Sorry. thank you so much. And we are going to, it's okay. Hey man, you push any button you want, Brett. This I've is your toys. day too. Yeah. <laughs> but stick around because we are looking at Richard Blade's flashback favorite series and we're talking about our five favorite songs and we're up to number three coming up after this you're buckled up for a non-stop classic alternative thrill ride only three lads hey this is brett here i guess the next segment is an unintended volume two of o3l presents you weren't supposed to hear that the audio input on my computer went kaput completely midstream oy vey so my numbers three through one were recorded after the fact and edited in later. So you'll hear the lads mention it because why not? Not exactly the ideal when you have a guest on, but hey, that's real life. Now back to the show. Dick Shepard and Dick, some of the young ladies during the commercial were asking if you were single. They were delighted to find out you are. <laughs> if you make a lot of money now, you're going to be a lot more attractive to them, Dick. Thank you once again for hanging out with us here on the Only Three Lads podcast. Now, don't forget, make sure and go to Facebook. You have to like our page, hit notifications, our new episodes that come out every Tuesday. And this is a very special episode. Uh, I think it's, what, 47, but 43 without the bonuses. I don't know what it is. All as I know is that Richard Blade, the icon, actually agreed. We didn't, I, I was, when I was turning blackmail, why is Richard here? I don't know. I no mean, but thank you so much. I am thrilled. I mean, really, this is like a childhood dream because when I got in alternative mu music and uh, worked in alternative radio in 1993, everybody knew Richard Blade. That was like, he's the pinnacle. He's who you're trying to be. But it wasn't, you know, like we had, the, we didn't have the internet back then. So you would have people record on tapes, Richard Blade, send them to you to see what he was doing so you could copy it. So one day you could become Richard Blade, but 
No one has. And we have him here. Legend. Oh, well, thank you. And and Dave is just such an, a good guy. And Dave has been a, a huge supporter and always encourages me. So when he asked me to come on your podcast, I was thrilled to do it. So there you well, go. Thank you so Thanks, much, Richard. Richard. We, do, we do really appreciate it. Of course, we are counting down our top five songs off Richard Blade's Flashback Favorite Series. There were six volumes, came out in 1993 when we had the swell of classic alternative music back in the 90s when Nirvana and Pearl Jam ruled the radio. But then all of a sudden you would have, as Richard said, the flashback lunches or you would have the Resurrection Sundays or the Retro Sundays and they would play this music and it took you back to the best days of your lives. And the next song on my list at number three probably wouldn't be on radio nowadays. It would trigger some because of the song. Now this 1984 song is a cover, but the Bullock Brothers made it all their own. Harley David was not and is not a novelty song. It's one of those songs, if you were a listener of Dr. Demento or K-Rock in the glory days, you know this song and it wasn't censored on the radio back then, but now it would be. See, I like your girls, got big tits. But Bullock Brothers, Harley David, uh, I remember doing my DJ gigs, we would get those alternative nights at either the Devil House, Club Rio, or Anderson Smith Estate, and you would play this song, Harley David, that would get people on the floor and get crazy, then you'd follow it up with Killing in the Name of, and it was just a riot and a party, but Bullock Brothers, Harley David, it's a song you gotta listen to at least once a week, and you'll be much happier in life, but that's number three for me this week. That's a great song. Well, you know what, Greg, one thing, I think we need to have a a proper Englishman uh, teach you how to pronounce Bollock. Bollock Brothers. Uh, Bollock. Bollock. Oh, Bollocks. (laughs) But, you know, on air, we always say the Bullock Brothers. So, but that's Phoenix. So, I don't know. We we talk funny out here. (laughs) Bollocks is a certain part of your anatomy that you don't want to get kicked in. There you go. Yep. There you go. All right, Richard, what's your number three this week? Oh, I'm up next. Okay, so now I'm going to go, I'm going to match my position of the uh, song with the number of the CD by pure coincidence from now on. So number three is from three, number two is from two, and number one is from one. So we're at number three, so I'm going to give you my third favorite from my series, and this comes from a band uh, and I became very good friends with the lead singer of the band who wanted nothing more than to be a rock star and he dressed like a rock star he acted like a rock star and for a short period of time he was a rock star And when it all faded away, unfortunately, he took his own life. And I write about that in World in My Eyes. And it was quite a loss. But the song lives on. He just wanted to be chasing limousines. And the song is The Fanatic. And the band is Felony. And Jeffrey Spry is the lead singer. And Jeffrey will always be in my mind as a good friend who we lost. Great song. It is a great song. Yeah. Off volume three. Yep. Yeah, volume three. Yeah. And one of those songs that when you play it in the clubs, the people will yell out back to you, chasing limousines. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to echo his uh, high pitched chorus. It was, uh, it, it 
to me, it, it really captures a moment in time. And I'll never forget him performing on my very first TV show, even before Video One, MV3. And uh, he did everything we asked. He was just so thrilled to have the cameras and the spotlight on him. You know, Richard, you bring up rock stars. Do we have any rock stars from today? Or is that something that's now that everybody has their own social media has kind of, it's kind of cliche now? Yeah, that's a very good question. I mean, obviously uh, it, it seems almost that the females are the biggest rock stars, you know, Beyonce and J-Lo and stuff like that. But uh, are there any real rockers out there that yeah. are rock stars? You yeah, because it used to be, you know, like, crazy. you know, like, you know, womanizing, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And now it's like people, oh, well, you know, we do kale when we bring a yoga instructor on tour <laughs> with us. And it's like, what happened? What happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah, David you know? Lee Roth would not be happy with that tour. No. <laughs> Michael Hutchins. I mean, come on, that guy, he must yeah. have been a riot. I mean, I know you're good friends with him, but must have been a riot. And um, where are these guys? Michael would walk into a room and you could hear the sound of panties dropping. <laughs> it was just crazy. It was, you know, he had that, he had that charisma. You could be the most famous, the richest, the best looking guy in the world. And he walked in and you just disappeared. He, just, he, yeah. was, he, he had that mad, you know, God had reached down and touched him on the top of the head and said, Hey, I'm giving it to Brad Pitt and I'm giving it to you. Yeah. yeah I, I was in a target with Gavin Rossdale in Tempe oh, wow. and walking through. Now he wasn't even famous yet. This is just when I think it was their second day in America. 16 stone was uh, just released and they were meeting their tour manager for that tour uh, that day. And we went to target but he just had that look. He had that it. And I remember never feeling so invisible because mm-hmm. every girl who's walking in that target stopped and went, Die! you know, just <laughs> had a stroke and he was, nobody knew who he was. And then that night, of course, he's up on stage and then he does his song glycerine with just him and his guitar. You want to talk about hearing panties hit the floor. Yeah. That was crazy. If you ever saw that. And I was like standing right on stage watching that going, Wow. This is never going to happen to me, you know, because it was like, wow, Gavin Rosdale, but amazing artist that guy is. Yeah, I know. It, it's more than one in a million. You know, it's it's one in 50 million that are that lucky, you know, that are that blessed, that are talented and have the look, have the charisma and that certain je ne sais quoi. You know, it's crazy. Somebody will come around. It's just a matter yeah, of oh, who no, and absolutely. when. Yep. It was like, who was going to be the next Beatles? Who knew it was going to be, you know, a black American kid? You yeah. know, I mean, Michael Jackson, I mean, he, he, he had everything. He was incredible. Uh, who's going to be the next one? Nobody knows, but there will be a next one. But there Richard, aren't, aren't you excited for after COVID? I think there's going to be a before COVID and after COVID right now. There's a lot of people staying at home, staying safe, but there's a lot of people who maybe never would have written songs or maybe studied how to write a song. And now they have all this time and we're going to hopefully get some incredible music on the other end of this. That's my hope. Let's hope so. Let's hope there is, uh, you know, definite sunshine at the end of the tunnel. Never mind the light. I would love that. Yes. Stay safe, everybody. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, you're right. We had albums this year that were a direct result of the quarantine. Nobody was planning on, uh, on a new Paul McCartney album this year or two Taylor Swift albums or whatever it would be. These unfavorable circumstances have created some beautiful art. And what I'm excited about is there's that kid out there who picked up that guitar. Mm-hmm. But I just think that there's a lot of kids out there that are picking up, a, and, you know, maybe an instrument or, you know, online learning how to do something. And I'm just so excited to see what comes of this. I think you're right. 
All right, Bueno. Hey, what's your number three? All right. So my number three uh, is by Wire Train, Chamber of Hellos, uh, released on the Volume 3. And uh, this was their first single off their first record, uh, In a Chamber. Uh, what happened to these guys? These guys, I watched the video from American Bandstand, and they seem very entertaining. But, man, I can't really find much after this, really, that... Uh, they're very successful with they actually left the music business oh. and when i was doing bands reunited for vh1 they uh were one of the initial pilots that vh1 had used for the series and the um the guy behind wire train i think it was the lead singer it might be lead guitarist was uh the set decorator for csi so he got out of the music business and gone into television okay yeah but it's a I love shame that song. I, I agree with you, Dave. They were a great, great band and great song. Yeah, and just kind of like disappeared. I think they had like another hit after that, but that's about it. So. But that's that's my number three. Love it. Top five songs from Mr. Blade's flashback favorites: Wire Train chamber of hellos good song all right brett what's your number three well that echo you guys heard was the sound of my new audio interface uh going kaput all right so i'm trying to get my other mic hooked up here we can hear you though so that's good yeah that's a plus yeah through my computer mic right now which is going to sound awful it's not that bad no no not too bad no 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 I mean, you're not going to sound as good as any three of us, but I mean, you know, hey, <laughs> yeah. someone's got to pull up the back end. It might as well be you. <laughs> now he's gone. <laughs> Can take my toys and go home. Well, thank you, Brett. It's been nice having you on today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's going to make it into the blooper reel. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think he's plugging in his mic, right? Yes. Well, he's, he's, a, he's a recording guy, so everything has mm. to be perfect. And I'll drive right. him crazy until he gets the clean sound he's looking for all right hey brett so what's your number three is the bizarre side of the new wave captured any more brilliantly than the closing track from flashback favorites volume four no the answer is no by the way no it is janitor by la band suburban lawns to remind you that this music was a logical outgrowth of punk and art rock janitor is a quirky jerky poetic and subversive two and a half minute thrill ride and fiercely independent as well. It was released as a single on their own label in 1980, ahead of it appearing on their sole full length on IRS to 91. And no, you're not mishearing those lyrics. That insane chorus resulted from a misheard conversation with someone who said, I'm a janitor, or wait, 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 here we go. I'm a janitor. (laughs) Wow, okay. Soundboard. Uh, But it got two rats. (laughs) What did it say? That's the last little part. Which obviously was twisted into, (laughs) oh, my genitals. That's the first thing you would think someone would say, right? Lawn singer Sue Tissue is in many ways the ultimate new wave crush. First, you're drawn in because she looks like the shy girl next door, and then you find out that she's artsy and weird as heck, and that only makes you more infatuated. Sue warbles and bellows her way through the song, reminiscent of one of the most influential singers on the new wave scene. Guess who, Greg? Who? That's right, Yoko Ono. Ugh. (laughs) 
Do you have the prices right sounder? Oh, there we go. All right. <laughs> These are the things that fantasies are made of, and my heart is like a nuclear reactor going boom, 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 boom. Not my genitals, mind you, because this is a family show. And that's my number three flashback favorite this week. Janitor oh, my suburban lawn. Did you just snort? I, yeah, we, we, there, there's the gutter. We hit it. Sorry, Mr. Blade. Sorry, Richard. <laughs> if only you were still here. Uh, all right. All right. Brett, are you there? I don't hear Brett. Uh-oh. Yeah, I we see his Brett. stuff there. Paging Brett. Brett. Please come in, Brett. He says, uh, I can hear you guys perfectly, but I can't get any microphones to work. Oh, great. Can you use your computer microphone? It wasn't bad. It really wasn't. It was just a little resonant. That was all. Let's see. Not even my computer mic is now working. All right, Brett. Great song. Even though no idea what you just said. Um, But (laughs) my number two on my list this week, it's a rockabilly band that had some punk sensibility. The Polecat song, Make a Circuit With Me. It's on volume five. And let me just tell you, it's a great song. Um, We talked about this earlier in the podcast. It's when music was more varied and more experimental. Of course, many people remember the Stray Cats, but the Polecats were also in that early 80s rockabilly revival scene. Uh, They sported the clothing, the hairstyles, everything. And of course, um, I don't know, if, if this song doesn't make you dance, Polecats, Make a Circuit With Me, you're dead inside. So that's why this week it's my runner-up of my top songs, Off Richard Blades, Flashback Favorites, Polecats Make a Circuit with Me. Love that song. Good one, Uncle yes. Greg. I like that one. All right. Well, Richard, what's your number two? Well, I told you I'm counting down now these last three from uh, their number position to match the number of the CD by pure coincidence. So from uh, Richard Blaze's Flashback Favorites, Volume 2, comes my song number two. And honestly, I can't really add more to it than what Brett said about this particular track because he illustrated how good it is so perfectly. All I will say is this one has always stood the test of time in the clubs and it's one that I love to mix back and forth with Soft Cell's Tainted Love. The song is from B-Movie and it's the 12-inch version of Nowhere Girl. I just love it. That is a great song. And our first crossover this week, I'm surprised. I thought we would have more crossover. Some of us picking the same song. All right, Buena, what's your number two this week? All right, so Making Plans for Nigel, XTC, uh, Flashback Favorite, Volume 3, uh, worldwide release, September of 79. And uh, this opening track, lead single from their uh, album, Drones and Wires. Honestly, when I first heard this song, I didn't hear it from the beginning, and I swear I thought it was the Beatles had reunited. So I had to find out who that was. And I reached out to my record buddy over there, uh, Jim, and I asked him if he'd heard about this new song. And it sounded like the Beatles. And he says, ah, it could be the new XTC. And uh, he worked at Licorice Pizza and Receda there, there Richard. And uh, he put he put it on and he almost blew the phone up. And that was the song I was I was talking about. And I love it. And if young Nigel says he's happy, he must be happy. He must be happy, he must be happy in his world. Making plans for Nigel, great drums and 
uh, back to front, top to bottom. Not a bad song on this record. And uh, it actually spent 11 weeks on the UK singles chart and peaked at number 17. And uh, Andy, Colin, Dave, Terry are like my blur to Brett, if that makes sense. And that's my number two. <laughs> top five love songs from Richard Blade's flashback favorites, XTC, Making Plans for Nigel. Great song. I was wondering when XTC was going to make the list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that song. I mean, it's, uh, it says so much, doesn't it, about what the situation was like, particularly in the UK at the time, where people had no hope when they were growing up. And it was like, oh, yeah, Nigel, don't worry. We've got plans for you. You're going to be working in British steel. And you can almost imagine the, the dirt and the grime and the rest of your life. That's oh, what yeah. you're being sentenced to. Oh, <laughs> great song oh, there, Dave. Love it. Well, Richard, why did you want to come to America so bad and leave your home? Sunshine, Blue Skies, California Girls. Pretty much <laughs> sums it up. All right. Good answer. That's it. Yeah. Good answer. <laughs> For my number two, one of my deepest musical loves is power pop. And as a songwriter who writes his share of what I would classify as power pop, there are a few representative tracks of the subgenre where I often say, if I could only write a song as good as blank, my life's mission would be accomplished. So that could be Baby Blue by Badfinger, September Girls by Big Star, Teenage Kicks by The Undertones, Ever Fallen in Love by Buzzcocks, or definitely this defining song of the L.A. pop scene, Yellow Pills by 2020 from Volume 3 of Flashback Favorite. Great song. Great song. But as much as I love Power admittedly, some of its fans can be insufferable at times. There are a lot of people who staunchly believe that Power Pop, quote-unquote, can only be one thing. It has to be a combination of jangly and crunchy guitars, it has to be firmly rooted in the sounds of the 60s British invasion, and bands have to have a certain look. These are the same people who can't see that Boston's More Than a Feeling is more or less a Raspberry-style pop tune because it's played by a group of AOR guys with big hair and mustaches. So, Yellow Pills, one of the songs that immediately screams power pop in giant Liechtenstein-drawn letters, is rooted in the au courant and decidedly not power pop sounds of Chris Salegi's synthesizer. So take that, snobs. But for the rest of it, it's a celebration of pure visceral pleasures of youth and being on the scene. Everybody's feeling groovy. Everybody's got tight pants on. Everybody feels like they were just made by the creator. And the sublimely Lennon-esque chorus is still enough to get that heart racing, the blood pumping, and induce a euphoric feeling akin to taking, yes, those yellow pills. That could just be the super tight pants. But what a song. One of my all-time favorites and my number two flashback favorite this week, Yellow Pills by 2020. I'm glad I didn't pick that one. Would, would the tight pants give you little pills? <laughs> We're really going I don't know if they'd be yellow. <laughs> I don't know if they're yellow. Just saying. Red, maybe. Purple. Blue. Yeah, blue. Maybe. Blue. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> it is the only three lads podcast. <laughs> oh, it is. From the gutter. Oh, from the gutter. <laughs> from the mouths uh, of babes and into the gutter. <clears throat> All right. It's the Only Three Lads podcast, taking you back to some of the best days of your life with the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. This week, we have a special guest, the icon Richard Blade of Sirius XM, First Wave Channel 33. We're going to be looking at our number ones this week of our favorite songs off of his flashback favorites, volumes one through six. Stick around. Number one's coming up after this. Cool. Brett, we miss cool. you. Brett, yeah. we miss you. <laughs>
Want to hear more from our conversation with Richard Blade? This is just the tip of the iceberg, or is it the blade of the knife? See what I did there? I know, boo. Check out our bonus episode for the extended conversation, and believe me, you won't want to miss it. Richard was so generous with this time and shared some stories you absolutely have to hear to believe. Now back to the show. We are back. It's the Only Three Lads podcast. Don't forget, we are on many, many platforms. You go to Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, Apple, the iHeartRadio app. And if you got one of those new smart speakers for the holidays, don't forget, you can say Alexa. You can say Google. Play the Only Three Lads podcast. And there we are. And you can be hanging out with us talking about the best music ever made. This week, we are looking at our top songs off of Richard Blades, Flashback Favorites, Volumes 1 through 6, and we're at, at our number ones right now. And uh, Richard, great series. What do you remember most about this series when it first came out in 1993? When it first came out, I remember being told that we had to redo the artwork because I was wearing a K-Rock T-shirt thinking, oh, it'd be great for the station, you know, publicity. Mm -hmm. And uh, Kevin Weatherly took one look at it and said, nope, you got to get rid of the K-Rock logo. We can't endorse anything. And then, of course, it became a big seller. And they went, well, okay, well, from now on. (laughs) (laughs) You always like the Monday morning quarterback, you know, oh, you can't do it. It won't be good. for. wait a second. (laughs) once they realized how you know popular it was and also how um well done it was and i don't mean well done on my side i mean carl did a great job and the uh, people at capital and sony did a great job with the distribution they pressed it well everything was good it i think you know the the powers that be at k-rock were worried it was going to be like you know a home pressed bootleg And they didn't want to be associated with that. But uh, it was always fun. I loved doing the the photo shoots. I had my uh, dog on, uh, I think, volume three. Mm-hmm. Beautiful little angel. Love her. And uh, it was it, it was just so cool. And as I mentioned earlier, um, it, just to walk into a club and see the DJs playing from it, back when we would use uh, CDs in the clubs, it was just so flattering and, and touching to be a part of their particular night that they were doing. And I was, I was honored. Do you think that a lot of people felt that this was going to fail or it was going to be kind of a homegrown thing because they thought maybe the early, the early eighties music was done and over, but then they were surprised when there was this whole groundswell of people wanted to hear these songs again and were yearning for them. Oh, hundred percent. You're absolutely right. They really thought that uh, it had come and gone and uh, wouldn't stand the test of time. The one person who knew it would was no longer with us, unfortunately, to see it. And that's Rick Carroll, who started the whole format. He said to me in late 83, he said, Richard, one day there'll be radio stations all across America playing 80s music. He said it might be 20 years from now, but it's going to happen. And I was exactly like, right. nuts, you're nuts. <laughs> I was thinking, it, I, I thought it was just disposable pop. And uh, and yet it's the most heard music anywhere at the moment. You walk, you know, you walk into an airport, you walk into a supermarket or whatever, and you hear the Go-Go's or you hear Men at Work or you hear Culture Club. It's 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 crazy. I agree. I, yeah, I just think it's amazing. Just, yeah. Well, we all had that common experience of all knowing these songs and we all mm-hmm. have our own story, but we all remember where we were when we first saw MTV. Like, I'll never forget when I first saw MTV, the very first video I saw was Roger Daltrey, Free Me. Horrible song. Who cares? The second song, though, The Clash, Rock the Casbah, changed my life. And that made me run to the record store. And then I got into The Clash. And that's when I was like 10, 11 years old. And that was my first experience with MTV. And we talked about this earlier. But that's what 
kids don't have nowadays. They just have streaming and they all watch, you know, the same thing or, you know, they maybe it just it seems harder to find new music and cool things than it was for us back in the day. All right, well, we're up to our number ones this week. And my number one song off Mr. Blade's Flashback Favorites is a song off volume one that I have loved since the very first time I saw it on MTV. It's a song that was released in April of 1984, but it didn't become a hit on the UK chart until February 1985. It's Love and Pride from King. debut single and i mean when you have a mullet doc martens and a band that didn't last long just two years that's pretty much a great formula for me paul king of course he attempted a solo career after ending king he worked as a dj he worked for mtv and vh1 in europe but king's love and pride will always bring a smile to your face and that's why it's my number one song this week off of flashback favorites mr blade i love king love and pride Love it. Paul King came over to my house and we watched the very first WrestleMania together. (laughs) (laughs) Such a nice guy. And I've been trying to find him for the last four years to invite him to be on one of our 80s concerts at the Microsoft Theater. I would love to have him come and and do that, you know, and Love and Pride was just, uh, you know, I want you to hold my hand now from the album. Both of them, just great, great songs. And he was such a, a down to earth, fun guy. Loved him. Last I saw that he was still working for MTV in Europe. So you might want to look there. You know, I did, but I, I think he's moved to Ireland or something. Oh, and really? It, it's hmm. been really hard to find. I, I found a poor, poor king, a music producer, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I sent him a message. I was so excited. And he wrote me back and he goes, thanks so much. But he got the wrong poor king. He oh. <laughs> oh. was right. uh, actually an uh, EDM DJ, but that was cool. We had to exchange a few things after that. So it's time for my number one, right? It is. Yes, sir. So my number one also comes from CD number one. And it remains, I think, in my memory as one of my most requested early songs at K-Rock. Ramondo and the Blade would always get calls for this particular song. And we loved playing it. And unlike the other four songs, this one is very laid back and ambient in feel. And the band had a uh, a little thing going against DJs because they didn't like the BBC Radio 1 DJs. They thought they were too flippant and too smooth. So they deliberately chose a name for their band that was completely unpronounceable and uh, just to screw up the DJs. And they became... And they came out with a song called Doot Doot. And I loved that from the very beginning. Had to get the 12-inch version of it. And then later on, the guys behind did the soundtrack to uh, Underworld. And they liked doing that so much that they changed the name of their band from to Underworld and uh, did some great songs like Underneath the Radar and uh, continue on um, as DJs and producers to this day. But Doot Doot to me always will stand the test of time and take me right back to those early years at K-Rock and answering the phone and saying, Who's this? Hi, Shelley in um, West Covina. Can you play that Doot Doot song? Well, here it is, Shelley. Get 
that that pain in the ass Boyne will call you and tell you to play squeeze for him again a thousandth <laughs> time or something. <laughs> yep, there's that. All right, Bueno, what's your number one this week? All right, my number one, Adam and the Ants. Ant music. music. You yeah. got it. Yeah, November 3rd, third single from that Kings of the Wild Frontier album. Man, that record itself had so much influence on so many artists in the world. And I was really lucky enough to see them at the Reseda Country Club. I was pretty lucky. Or that single was actually spent five weeks at number one and uh, reached number two in South Africa and actually hit number 41 in the Netherlands. It's pretty cool. And uh, the, the video itself actually featured the group playing in a discotheque with a giant jukebox and persuading the young audience to stay away from disco music and dance to the new styled ant music. <laughs> That's my number one. Top five songs from Richard Blade's flashback favorites, Adam and the Ants, and music. Always love the video for that when he mm-hmm. unplugs the jukebox and the plug itself is just so huge. Brilliant. I just thought yeah, uh, Adam Ant, when he came out in 94 with that song, Wonderful, I think it really showed what an artist he was because back in that early 80s, you know, dressed like a pirate, he changed fashion in that new romantic era. And then when he came out in 84 with Wonderful and I was playing that song, I was really thrilled. Mm. Oh, that record's incredible. Yeah, great one. Yeah. All right, Brett, what's your number one? Okay, so for those who are just catching up with the show, maybe it's your first time, welcome. There are a few artists from the Oath Rail era who I put up high on a pedestal. For example, Elvis Costello, the Go-Betweens, Blur, the Smiths, and this band, The Jam. Mm. Mm. So, although my other four picks are by newcomers to the Othriel list of characters, I'll return to a familiar favorite for my number one, Beat Surrender by The Jam from Volume 4 of Flashback Favorites. Of course, Beat Surrender is bittersweet because it was the final Jam single and the last of their four UK number ones. While I think The Jam could have soldiered on and continued to do very well, for example, I think the Jam version of A Solid Bond in Your Heart would have sailed straight to the top of the charts, but in a way, they ended at the right time. As is, they amassed one of the most perfect catalogs in rock and roll history, in my opinion. And Paul Weller obviously wanted to pursue other musical paths that I love, and I'm happy he was able to under the Style Council moniker, but I'm glad that a lot of it didn't bear the Jam's name. And Beat Surrender is absolutely joyful and a great way to cap off the Jam's recording career. It was, as Weller put it, the final clarion call with its driving mod northern soul groove, triumphant horns, and harmony vocals by Weller protege Tracy. The jam for one last time invite one and all to succumb to the beat surrender. read it as an epitaph to the jam's career as it was in the beginning so it shall be in the end seize the young determination show the fakers you ain't fooling the whole ep is great by the way as a young jam fan i found the cassette and aside from the title track and the jazzy original shopping it also contains a cover of edwin Starr's war and two other soul covers 
that actually introduced me to the originals, Curtis Mayfield's Move On Up, and the Shy Light Stoned Out of My Mind. So, Richard, I'm so glad you included this track on your CD series. And my number one this week could not have been anything else other than Beat Surrender by the Jigs. I saw so that come coming. Yeah, I figured, I figured <laughs> yeah, you guys did. did. <laughs> I knew XTC. We only had one crossover, though, and that was B-Movie. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that was it. And that was you and Mr. Blades. It was. Yep. I'm in good company. Yes. You better believe it. Let's uh, take a look at our top five songs of Richard Blades' flashback favorites, volumes one through six. At number five this week, for me, even Ozen, A-E-I-O-U, sometimes Y. At number four, Red Rockers with China. At number three, Bullock Brothers. Did I say it right that time? Bullock. 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 There you go. You Bullock. Got it. Bullocks. <laughs> Bullocks. Bullock Brothers with Harley David. Number two, Polecats, Make a Circuit with Me. And number one, King with Love and Pride. Well, for me, we are going to go through from five to one, starting at number five with Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. White Lines, Don't Do It, Baby. At number four, the brilliant suburbs who are still together to this day with music for boys. And number three, from California, a great little band that was fronted by two brothers, including the late Jeffrey Spry, Felony with the Fanatic. At number two, B-Movie and a song that just doesn't get old, Nowhere Girl. And at number one, one of the first ambient tracks in my mind to cross over to a huge audience. It came from a band with a deliberately unpronounceable name, Fruer, and it was Doot Doot. And my number five is uh, telephone operator, Pete Shelley. My number four, Just Got Lucky, Joe Boxers. My number three, Chamber of Hellos, Wire Train. My number two, Making Plans for Nigel, XTC. And my number one, flashback favorite from Richard Blade's series, Adam and the Ants and Music. My top five, number five, Bad Manners, Samson and Delilah. Number four, B-Movie, Nowhere Girl, crossover with Richard. Number three, Suburban Lawns, Janitor. Number two, 2020 Yellow Pills. And number one, The Jam, Eat Surrender. I think we all had great list. And I think that Richard's, yours was the best because you picked these songs <laughs> back in 1992, 93, and you're picking them now. So what a great CD series. And really, I'm not just saying this. We talked about surreal moments a little bit ago. Uh, this is a surreal moment for me being in alternative music where I started back in 93. Thank you so much for doing the Only Three Lads podcast. Hey, it's my pleasure to be with Only Three Lads. And you guys have been absolutely great. And I look forward, Uncle Greg, to uh, talking with you and Brett some more. Dave, I know I'm going to be talking with a lot of Dave Buenos. Always there for me. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate Only Three Lads. You guys have been fantastic. I appreciate you. Thank you you so much. My pleasure. Now I'm going to take down the Christmas decorations. <laughs> All right, well, good luck with that. And thank you for, for spending so much time with us. Usually this doesn't take this long, but uh, we uh, we all had a million questions for you. And thank you for giving of your time. Oh, I'm, I'm my pleasure. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. Have a great night. Say hi to the wifey for me. All right. So are we going to hit the randomizer or are we going to stick with the subject we had before Mr. Blades uh, was blackmailed to come on the only three last podcast? <laughs> Did you hog tie him, Bueno? <laughs> yeah. You got know. pictures? Uh, you know, from St. Louis? I don't know. That'd be pretty tough. <laughs> uh, let's uh. stick with the topic that we picked last week in the randomizer the top five 90s punk albums. Okay. That'll be great. All right. It, it's going to be great because I have not a single one in mind. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. I got a couple already. Is there anything else you guys want to say? Well, as Bueno said, I mean, this was, uh, what, 39 years in the making to do this episode, Bueno? 
Yes, it is. Yeah, I would say it was very much worth it. I say so. What a way to kick off season two. We have a lot of great things planned. We love talking about this music. Try to shut us up. We dare you. Yeah. Oh, I don't Try even know best. what that was. That was gunshot. <laughs> yeah, that uh, was Rambo. <laughs> Uh, all right there we go all all i can say is having richard blade on our podcast made my life surreal yeah just amazing and uh i love everything that's going on with this podcast i love everybody out there and be bueno the theme music is frequency written and performed by yours truly brett vargo any other music in this episode is presented solely for purposes of review examination and news reporting if you like what you hear, go to your record store and pick up the LP, CD, cassette, or 8-track, or stream it if you're one of those newfangled fancy pants. If we're lucky enough to still have these artists with us, go out and see some live music. For the latest updates, join the O3L community at facebook.com slash only3lads. We want to hear from you. And while you're at it, click on the Shop Now link for the coolest threads. Until next time, thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.